0: Good morning. Welcome to Kavanaugh. Whether you're in here or online, we welcome you. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. We want to invite you to join us this morning. We stand. Let's begin singing praises to him. It's all because of Jesus that we are alive.
1: Amen. Thank you. You can be seated just for a second. Uh, You're probably wondering, what is the preacher doing up there at welcome time? This is not his time. I don't know why I'm up here. Brother Nathan is gone. Brother Jason's unavailable, so they're, they're calling on me to do the welcome. And I'm scared to death because I haven't done the welcome in years. I don't know if I can do it or not. Welcome. How's that? Hey, we're glad you're here. God bless you for coming. Those watching online, we're certainly thankful that you're watching. Those of you in person, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So, no frowns are welcome here. All right? Put a smile on your face, put praise in your mouth, and let's worship the Lord together today. Amen? It's a great day, and God has a word for you today. The word is reconciliation. God has called you to the ministry of reconciliation, and I can't wait to talk to you about that cool word. Would you stand up? We're going to pray and ask God's blessing on the worship and on the preaching. Let's pray for a kid's church going on right now, and also we worship. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you so much for loving us and giving your life for us. I pray that you would bless our worship. Lord, just, just come into this room with us. Fill our hearts with praise to you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us through the Word of God today. And dear Lord, make this visit to your house profitable. I pray that your kingdom would increase, that our faith would grow. Bless the worship this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember the smile on your face, and let's worship together now.
0: chapter 5 in verse 5 it says for you are all children of the light and of the day we don't belong to darkness and to the night so if you are a Christian you are no longer living in the life of sin and of shame and of darkness the power of Jesus Christ and his illuminating light has overtaken the darkness in our lives and so we can sing with assurance and we can speak with assurance that we belong to God. Let's sing this morning.
2: the word that brother will is going to bring to us about reconciliation that our hearts and our minds can be clear and our eyes can be open so that we may be receptive for everything that you have for us so that we can cling to your word and we can understand god that your love and your goodness it is chasing us and all we have to do is just let it catch us and envelop us and take us to wherever it is you want us to go for whatever that purpose is god I pray for everyone here and everyone online that is listening to these voices and to our praises that are going up to you, that somehow, some way, if there's somebody here that's lost or online that doesn't know you, that they would come and that they would experience your goodness, that they would experience your grace and your mercy. And I'm so thankful once again that we have this opportunity to come and stand before you and to worship and to give you this offering. And I pray now, God, for all of your blessings this week and upon the rest of this service. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.
1: Praise team, wasn't that awesome, man? Love that last song. Give them a big hand. Yeah, fantastic. Again, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, right before I preach, I've, I've got a, something I want us to do together, and that is, I want us to recite again our mission statement at Kavanaugh Church. You're saying, well, brother Will, you you did this all through the Jonah series, and I mean, we've we've read this thing for six weeks. Yeah, but it's worth reading again. All right. So I'm not going to make you stand up and read it. You can sit there unless you don't read it. And if you don't read it, you're going to have to stand back up with me, all right? But let's do it really loud and from the heart. Let's say this together. It is Kavanaugh's mission statement. Read it with me. At Kavanaugh Church, our mission is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples Amen. That's what we're about. In the last six weeks, we've been on mission with God and with Brother Jonah as he shared the good news of God to the people of Nineveh. And that's the thing. God wants everyone to hear the good news of the gospel. God loves people, and he wants to have a relationship with everyone. And he has called us individually and a church to do these three things, to win people to Christ to help them grow and mature in their relationship with Jesus, and then for all of us to go back out in the world and be the salt to a corrupt society and to be a light in the darkened world. We're going to continue to be on mission with God and continue to do what our Kavanaugh mission statement says as we study 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today we're going to learn that we can be the bridge that helps people come to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If this part of the Bible is unfamiliar to you, it is one of the letters that Paul wrote to this Greek-speaking city by the name of Corinth. Years before, Paul had gone there and established a church and became the very first pastor of the church. It's been several years since he has been back, and there have come into the church several teachers who have become critical of the apostle Paul. And one of Paul's purposes in writing 2 Corinthians is to defend his ministry and his motivation. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, the passage we're about to read is pretty heavy. It's kind of difficult. It's not one of those feel-good, happy passages that's going to be light and fluffy. This is the meat of the Word. And I want us to camp out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 over the next three weeks, as we hear what God's Word has to say about our mission as a church, and also our mission as individual believers. So, are you ready for 2 Corinthians 5? Oh boy, come on. Let's let's get on board, or I will have you stand up, all right? Are you ready for it? All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Since then and you're thinking okay, you've already lost me since what don't worry We're gonna come to it. All right based on what he's already said in verse 10 now in verse 11 He's saying since then we know what it is to fear the Lord and we try to persuade others What we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced That one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again about an amen there that's good so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way we do so no longer therefore If anyone is in Jesus Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled to us himself through Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? What a powerful passage of Scripture. And dear Lord, I pray that you would take this passage, speak it through me into the hearts of the people who are here and those watching online. And dear Lord, as I speak on the outside, I pray that you would speak directly into our hearts. Call us to this ministry of reconciliation. Help us to be effective ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you remember this. It happened two years ago in 2018. Uh, There was a a soccer team of 12 young men and their coach that went exploring in this cave in Thailand. Do y'all remember that story? And right after they went into the cave, uh, torrential rains fell and These boys, these 12 boys and their coach, were trapped inside of that cave for 18 long days. With all the flooding in the caves, rescuers feared that they would not be able to save the team before they either suffocated or drowned. And so this massive rescue effort was organized, and highly trained teams from all over the world came in. But the real heroes of this story were the elite members of the thailand navy seals they did what seemed impossible they actually rescued this entire team one of the navy seals lost their life during the rescue effort and it was a massive event every day it was on the news and and we saw all these people concentrated in this cave in thailand people putting aside political and cultural differences to rescue these 12 soccer players and their coach and I can remember two years ago watching this every single day these, these 12 players and their coach and I can remember thinking to myself every day these kids are doomed they're doomed I mean they're, they're lost in this cave it's a dark cave that's that's wet and damp and rescuers can't get to them and they're doomed they're going to die unless a miracle takes place and so people came and they risked their lives literally they risked their lives to save these 12 boys and that coach what is the point of that story well people without jesus christ today are trapped in this dark cave of lostness, and they have absolutely no hope. And those people who are trapped in that cave of darkness live all around you. They live on your street. They work in the cubicle next to you. They go to school with you. We run into them at Walmart every single day. People everywhere lost and dying without hope, without Jesus. But you know what? Here's the deal. Our great Savior, Jesus Christ, has come to rescue them. Jesus gave his life on Calvary's cross to save them. And Jesus has entrusted us, the people of Kavanaugh Church, to be the bridge, to go to these people and do what this passage says, to carry on this ministry of reconciliation to reconcile their lost souls with the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be the bridge he uses to rescue these people who are lost in their trespasses and sins. What an honor, literally what an honor that God has chosen us to be his bridge. Now, I've got three things I want to share with you this morning, but before we get there, let's just look at our key verse, which is verse 14a. This verse says, for Christ's love compels us. Let me talk about that word love. The word love here is not just a sentiment, it's a sacrifice. This love isn't just a thought or a feeling, it is expressed through action and through doing. And when we understand and experience Christ's love in a personal way, it begins to shape our lifestyle. And then it shapes everything about us. It it shapes the words that we say, the places we go, the decisions that we make. Christ's love becomes for us our way of life. And this verse goes on to say that his love compels us. The word compel means to constrain or to be controlled. So the love of Christ becomes such a powerful force in my life that it controls me. It restrains me. It compels every part of my life. I am hemmed in by the love of Jesus, just like a river is hemmed in by its banks on both sides. Yes, I understand that we still have a free will, technically speaking. That's part of our church's name, Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist. I I have the ability to choose every day if I'm going to serve Jesus and what I do with my life. But realistically, if you truly are born again, the love of Jesus Christ is so strong in your life that it controls you. I can only go in one direction. And that's why Paul said this in verse number 18. He says all of this, everything that we're going to talk about today, is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And so today what I want to do is break this down with three statements that flow from these verses. They have to do with the motivation that compels us and drives us to share the good news of Jesus with other people. So the first of these three statements is this. Our love for God compels us to act. So let me do a quick time out and ask you everybody look at me right here. I'm asking you a question. Do you love God? I mean you can answer that out loud if you want to. Do do you love God? Really, do you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, I hope you do. I know that Paul loved God. I mean, you can't help but see that through his writings. Paul loved God. Paul's motives, however, are being questioned here. Some people think that he is in the ministry for selfish motivation. But no. No, his lifestyle is driven first by his love for God. Paul knows that God is vitally aware of how all believers are living their lives. Paul knew that God watches us daily. God sees everything. He's omniscient. He knows all things. God God sees what's happening here at Kavanaugh Church today. Beyond that, God sees what's happening inside of your life. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows what you're thinking. And Paul was keenly aware of that. He knew that God knows all things. And Paul knew that there is coming a day when he, along with all of us, are going to give an account to God for the way that we've lived our lives. How do I know that? Because he just talked about it in verse 10. We started reading in verse 11, but notice what he said back in chapter 5, verse 10. Paul said for we must all that is all of us as believers all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body whether it is good or whether it is bad now this is serious stuff so so pay attention The Bible teaches us here and in several other places that there is coming a day when every believer is going to have to stand before what is called here in verse 10, the judgment seat of Christ. Now hang with me. This judgment seat of Christ that Paul is talking about in chapter 5, verse 10, is different than the day of judgment that the book of Revelation talks about. Don't get the two confused there is coming a day of judgment God is gonna judge everyone who's ever lived every person is gonna have to appear before the throne of Almighty God and the judgment based on one thing what did you do with Jesus Christ judgment day it's all based on that what did you do with Jesus and if while living on earth you accepted Jesus as your Savior. You repented of your sins. You invited Jesus into your heart. Then on that day, if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life proving that you really did accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is going to say to you, well done. You made a good choice. Enter in, and you get to spend all eternity in heaven. However, if on Judgment Day It is discovered that you never accepted Jesus. You never invited him into your life. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Then you know what's going to happen on judgment day? God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And you're going to spend the rest of eternity in the lake of fire. Now, guys, that's serious stuff. So it's really important that while you have breath and life, you invite Jesus into your heart and that you're born again. Okay, That's judgment day. It's a different thing than what is talked about here, the judgment seat of Christ. What this passage is talking about is that all believers, if you're a believer, you're still going to have to stand before this seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And what he's talking about here is this time when believers are going to receive rewards based upon their service to the lord jesus christ because god is watching us every day paul's already affirmed that he he knows what is god knows what's going on in our life he knows how we live he knows the decisions that we make he knows the things that we say the things that we do and we're going to be rewarded on this day based upon how we lived our lives and what we did with the stuff that God gave us. And one of the things that we're going to be judged upon is how we shared the gospel with other people. Because that is the focus point of what Paul is talking about here. That's why when we come to verse 11 that we started with, since then, since what? Since we know we're going to sit before the judgment seat of Christ. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. And because of that, we try to persuade men. Sherry, leave that verse up there just for a second because I want to talk about it. This reality puts an element of fear into our life. And, and let me just stop right there because I know the concept you have when you hear the word fear. Oh, I fear God. Ooh, I'm afraid. Ooh, that's not what this is talking about. It, it's not fearing god in that way in fact we know that the love of god that we've experienced in jesus christ cast out that kind of fear if you've got faith there's nothing to fear no no what this is talking about is having reverence for god it is a reverential fear it is the fear of doing anything that would disgrace or discredit the lord jesus christ whom we love. It's a fear of not obeying him. It's a fear of, you know what, God giving me an opportunity to share the good news with someone, and I refuse to do it. So knowing that one day I will give an account for what I have done with my life adds this sense of urgency to the way I live my life today. And because the Lord has taught me that I need to be sharing the good news with others, and because I love the Lord my God and desire to please Him in every way, then here's what I'm going to do. I am going to try to persuade others to follow Jesus. Do you see that? That's my ministry, to persuade others to believe Jesus. The word persuade really means to try to convince someone to convince them to believe in Jesus, to act a certain way. I I see the bewilderment in your eyes. So let let me try to bring it down and tell you this story. How how many of you can remember uh, being at a swimming pool and your your mom or dad in the water and telling you to jump for the very first time? Y'all remember that? Man, what a scary moment. I, I can remember it in two different ways. I remember it when he, my dad did that to me. We, we lived in Midland, Texas, out where we lived in the country. We had a community swimming pool out there, and, and we'd go swimming. And I can remember my dad. Man, my dad, he was, he was a big old muscle guy back in the day, and he had these tattoos on his arms, and man, he was strong. He said, jump, come on, jump in here, son, jump, I'll catch you and I was scared but I jumped I, I can remember doing it with my kids they they have floaties on their arms they didn't have floaties when I was a kid just had my dad but they got floaties on their arms and I remember my kids standing there you <laughs> shaking afraid to jump in because they're afraid of the water but I knew they were gonna be okay because they had floaties I knew they were gonna be okay because I was gonna catch them and I knew Don, I knew once they jumped into the water, it was going to change their life. They were going to love it. They they were going to enjoy swimming. And I also knew we needed to teach them to swim. Angie needs to teach them to swim because the water can be dangerous. And they need to know how to swim. So you stand there in the pool and you try to persuade your children, convince them to jump. Are you with me? Well, people without Jesus Christ, they need to be persuaded because in their sins, lost in trespasses and sins, they have absolutely no idea the delight that Jesus can bring into your life when you're saved. Now, I can talk to people until I'm blue in the face, but until they experience salvation, they really don't understand the joy of knowing the Lord. And if you're saved today, you get it because you've experienced that. But also, they don't understand the peril that they're in without Jesus Christ and apart from Christ. And we know that Jesus will completely save them. We don't coerce them. We don't manipulate others to receive Christ. We don't twist their arm until they give in. We gently persuade them. And that's what Paul did. He did it well. But some of Paul's critics claimed he was crazy. Look at verse 13. He said, if we really are out of our mind, it is for the sake of Christ. Paul is just saying here, Corinthians, I want you to know my heart. I am doing this for the sake of the gospel. It's because I love God. And if you think I'm crazy because I try to persuade people So let it be. Think that way if you want to. Call me crazy. I'm doing it because I love God. So let me just back up and look at you again. Do you love God? Let me tell you, if you love God, you're going to do this. It it compels you to be a witness for him. Number two, y'all love the way I count, don't you? Man, what a, what y'all know what I'm talking about? uh, Don't even bring it up. Oh, my goodness. Number two, our love for others compels us to act. Look at verse 13. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. You see, to be the bridge God uses to bring others to himself might expose us to criticism. I I told the first service people, you know what, I... I just have assumed all my life that people like me. I mean, I'm, I'm a likable guy, right? I mean, I'm nice to people, I'm, I'm kind to people, I'm, I'm generous to people, and I just figure everybody ought to like me because I'm a nice guy. But you know what? A lot of people don't like me. And that was, that, that's kind of been hard for me to digest through the years. There have been people who, they don't want to be around me. They don't want to get close to me. They, they don't want to be in my inner circle. Why? Because they know who I live for and what I'm going to say, and they don't want to hear it. When we try to persuade others to trust Christ with their lives, some people are going to think we're nuts. They did Paul. Paul. And Paul is saying, listen, whether you think I'm crazy or not, in my right mind or not, reasonable or not, my life is lived for the sake of my love for God and my love for you. I do what I do. I share Jesus with everyone because I love God and I love people. That's it. I love God and I love people. This past week I was, I was reading about one of the most famous preachers in the 1700s, George Whitfield. He, he, he was a great orator. He was a great preacher. Listen to what George Whitfield said. He said, I am willing to go to prison even to death for you, but I am not willing to go to heaven without you. The love of Jesus Christ constrains me to lift my voice like a trumpet so that all can hear. One of the most famous preachers of the 1800s was Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what he said. He said, If sinners be condemned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms clung around their knees. Let no one go there unwarned, and unprayed for. Do do you hear the passion in these men's hearts? They love God and they love people. And and you know what? They they weren't just going to float through life. They they realized out of a reverential fear for God that they have been called to this ministry of reconciliation, that they are God's ambassadors. And if people are going to know Jesus, it's because we tell them. And both these guys are saying you know what people may reject the message they may think we're crazy they may end up in hell but it's gonna be over our dead bodies because we're gonna do everything we can to influence people to come to Jesus Christ that's what 2 Corinthians 5 is all about that's what Paul has said so far I'm on this mission why because I love God and I love people but Paul knew that those were insufficient in and of themselves. And that's why he gave us this third thing. God's love for us compels us to act. Not only that we love God and that we love people, but that God loves us. Look at verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. This amazing movement of God towards us in Jesus Christ overwhelms us and compels us. Now, I'm going to come back and talk about this verse next week and exegete it, but let me just give you a taste of what Paul is saying here. He says, one died for all. One died for all. Because all of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. Before Jesus, you were lost In your sins, but Christ took our sins upon himself. Jesus became sin for us in our place. He took the sentence that we deserved so that our sins are covered by his blood and we can be forgiven. He died for us. And therefore, Paul goes on to say, all have died. One died for all, and therefore all died. I'm identified with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm identified with what Jesus has done. And because of that, the old man, the old Will Harmon, the sinful Will Harmon, has died. He's gone forever. And I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the big question is, why? Why did Christ do this? Well, Paul tells us in verse 15, this is a cool verse and he died for all, that is, Jesus died for you, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Did you catch that? Christ died and rose again so that we would no longer live for ourselves. He took on the cross in order to deliver us from selfish living. And I think we're all given to that nature, to live selfishly. If we're not careful, we can settle into the mindset that, you know what, the Christian life is just all about me. I'm really the only one that matters. It begins with me and stops with me. And even what's worse than that, church can become that way. And we think that church is only about me. No, it's not just about you. It just begins in you. Try to get what I'm saying here. This is so key and so important. If it was all about you, this this is what would happen when you got saved. The moment you got saved, if it's just about you, that moment Jesus would transport you and zap you to heaven so that you wouldn't have to live in this cesspool of sin. But he didn't do that, did he? No, he saved you, and he left you here. Why? Because you have a ministry. You have a ministry of reconciliation. You are the ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are the one that helps share the good news of the gospel so that others can be saved. So it's not just about you. It's not just your church. It's the church for everyone, for everyone who would believe. It's so key to understand that because here's here's what happens sometimes. If we think it's all about me here in church, then, then when a decision is made that we don't like, we get mad and we just leave. You, you need, man, you need to get over that. Whether it's Kavanaugh or some other church, you need to get over it because it's not about you, it's about the ministry of reconciliation. There are people lost and dying and going to hell when we're setting on the truth. And so God has called you and he's called me to be ministers of reconciliation. He's called us to be the bridge to bring others to himself. And we need to see that because our city is in bad shape. Our world is in bad shape. America's in bad shape. And if it's going to change, it's going to change one person at a time, Paul, Paul had it figured out. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as you think about your life in Christ, here's the way it works. When you put your trust and faith in Christ... You trust that he died for you. And then, by faith, you died with him. Your old self is gone. And now you live for him because he lives in you and through you. And your life is different because Christ loved you and gave himself for you. And so his mission now becomes your mission. And you see people like he sees people. Let, let me draw all this together by telling you a Bible story from Acts chapter 10. Y'all know, y'all have heard of Peter, the apostle? God used him in a tremendous way to birth the church in Jerusalem. He was one of the pillars or foundations of the early church. But here's a cool story, Acts chapter 10. He was up on a rooftop praying, and apparently it was, it was lunchtime or dinner time because he was hungry. So His stomach was growling, but he was praying. And all of a sudden, he went into this trance. And here's what he saw. This sheet came down from heaven. It was kind of like a bed sheet. And he saw this thing coming down from heaven. And inside the sheet were all these animals. And he names them. The Bible names them. They were all unclean animals. And the voice from heaven said, kill and eat. But again, the problem, he was a Jew. He had been raised Jewish and a Jew would not eat unclean animals. And all these animals, every one of them, were unclean. And so he spoke to the voice and he said, No, Lord, I can't, I can't eat that. I'm, I'm, I'm a good Jew and I've never eaten anything unclean. Never, ever. And I'm not going to do it now. And then here's this marvelous verse, Acts chapter 10, verse 15. Here's what the voice said to him. Do not call anything impure that God is made clean that that was that was a voice from God do not call anything unclean that God has made clean hmm I wonder what that means well Peter figured it out it happened to him three times I, I guess Peter was a little hard-headed like us so the Lord did this to him three times and and he started figuring it out here's the cool thing while that was going on with Peter in a different city god was working on a different man by the name of cornelius cornelius was a a roman military officer and he feared god and he wanted to know how he and his household could be saved so at the same time peter was praying cornelius in a different city was praying in his own house and the lord spoke to him and said there's a guy named peter he's over in this city at this particular house Send somebody to get Peter. Peter will come to your house, and he will explain salvation to you. Okay? And so what does Cornelius do? He, he sends his household staff to the house that Peter is in. But here's the problem. Cornelius is a Gentile. And Jews didn't talk to Gentiles. Just like Jews would not eat unclean food they would not associate with someone they felt was unclean. So typically, somebody like Peter would not carry on a conversation with Cornelius. Somebody like Peter would not go inside Cornelius' house because Cornelius was unclean. And so Peter hears this knock on the door, and he hears the voice downstairs. We are from the house of Cornelius. We have been sent here for Peter, so Peter can come explain to Cornelius the way of salvation. But all of a sudden, a light comes on in Peter's head. What was the last word God had just said to him? Don't call anything unclean that God has made clean. So he said, wow, I better go with these guys. And so he went with them. He went into Cornelius's home he shared with them God's plan of salvation and everyone in Cornelius's home were saved let me tell you this is a huge turning point for the church this is huge in the life of Peter this is huge for us because up until now the good news had only been preached to the Jews now it was being preached to Gentiles you're a Gentile And all of a sudden, God said, my message is for everyone. And Peter, I am going to use you as the bridge to bring the good news to the Gentiles. Can I tell you something? That needs to happen to us. This needs to happen to you. It needs to happen to our church. We need to get on mission with God. We need to realize that we are the bridge So that our to do list matches God's to do list. Look at it again, chapter 5, verse 18. All of this is from God. It's not something I've made up. This is not a free will Baptist doctrine. This is from God. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. One last question. If you didn't know Jesus, okay, just pretend right now that you've, you've never been to church, you've never heard the message, you don't know Jesus, you're not saved, your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? You're lost in that cave of lostness. Humanly speaking, what chance, what chance would you have of being saved if all church people witnessed like you witness? Has that computed in your head if you were lost would you even have a chance i mean can i take some i i thank god that somebody loved me and loved god enough to share with me the good news of salvation and there are people that you come in contact with every single day that are just as lost as you once were. And they need that bridge. They need a human being who has submitted themselves to the ministry of reconciliation. They need somebody to tell them that God loves them. And God has a plan for their life. So, be the bridge, man. Be the the bridge. Last week I gave you the challenge Every morning, wake up and say, God, give me somebody to witness to today. Providentially, bring somebody into my life today. Give me an encounter where I can witness to somebody. And, guys, if you pray that, God's going to do that. He's going to give you somebody to talk to. You've just got to be willing to open your mouth. I, I think the reason we don't, the biggest reason, is we're afraid, we're scared. The devil's given us this fear that we're going to be rejected, that they're, they're going to turn away, that they're not going to want to hear the good news. And you know what? They might. Do what the apostles did in the New Testament. You just shake the dust off your feet and go on. You've done your part. You can't save people, but you can witness to them. And there are people out there dying to hear the good news. So my challenge Every day for you is for you to wake up and say, God, give me somebody to witness to today. Then look for the opportunity. And when that opportunity comes, open your mouth. Share with them the good news. And if you don't know what to say, come back next Sunday. I'm going to give you a visual description, a picture of how you can be the bridge. But you know what? Don't let a week go by. Just invite people to church. Get them around other people Let them come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Be the bridge. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? We don't have invitations anymore at the altar because of COVID, but you allow the spot that you're standing in be your altar of sacrifice. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to try to persuade you right now, if you don't know Jesus, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you, you really do have a fear of judgment day because you know your heart's not right. Friend, you, you can make things right today. We say here at Kavanaugh Church, it's real simple. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. You are. B, believe Jesus can save you. He's the only one who can. And C, confess him as Lord of your life. Say this simple prayer. Dear Jesus forgive me of my sins come into my life change me i love you and i'll follow you and then if you're here today and you're away from god i challenge you to come home come back he's he's running towards you this morning his goodness is running towards you make sure your relationship with him is right and then for all of us hear the call god's calling you today to a ministry of reconciliation you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And you know what? Here's the cool thing. As I've been talking, you've been thinking about people in your life right now that need Jesus. Just ask God to help you go talk to them. Give you the words to say. And so, dear Jesus, I commit my life to be an ambassador for you. I want to be the bridge that you use to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. Help me to do it every single day in jesus name amen amen god bless you sit down just for a second all right please be seated just a couple of things uh before you leave put your mask back on when you walk out the black boxes are out there for your offering or you can give online make sure you're back here next sunday morning because visually we're going to see how we can become the bridge Tonight at 6 o'clock, Brother Johnny is going to be on Facebook Live and KavanaughChurch.com with Kids Church. At 6.30, we're going to have an adult Bible study lesson you can tune into. Brother Ray Copeland is going to be teaching it. Come back Wednesday night. We have things for all ages. Now, right before you leave, I've got a commercial. Y'all like commercials? You hate them, don't you? This is a good one. Just watch this commercial real quick. Brother Johnny, it's, it's, Brother Johnny, it's, it's October, and that means adoptive families just around the corner. It sure does. Man, we've had a had a crazy year with the COVID and, and I know th- everything has changed and we're going to have to do adopt a family a little bit different way, but I bet you've got it under control, don't you?
3: Well, I've got a plan. We've got a plan.
1: Fantastic. Good deal. So I guess we just need to tell our people about that new plan then. That's
3: right. So what we need you to do, and we're so excited about this because we've been wondering and praying and uh, and God has kind of revealed some things to us a, a way we can keep a family going. This is our twentieth year, and we want we don't want to stop so even though uh, things are tough around us, we want to keep going so if you'll come to the gym right now as soon as brother will says amen we're going to tell you the whole new plan and it is different from start to finish. so come
1: and join us fantastic y'all do that We'll see you twenty years. those of you who don't know adopt a family uh every christmas we provide christmas for little kids in the river valley who would not have christmas otherwise we go through our public schools uh the counselors there give us a list of families who are in need we pick those families and then at christmas we minister to them for the last 20 years we've been bringing them here on site and giving them adopt a family and it's quite an event Uh, But because of COVID, we're not able to bring them on campus. So Brother Johnny's got a new plan, and he needs your help, and he wants to tell you about it. So as soon as I do say amen, just go back to the gym, their chair's set up, and for a few minutes, he's going to explain the new plan for adopt a family. Sound good? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Bless you, children. Amen.